Anime Pulse, episode 542. And welcome to another episode of Anime Pulse, this time brought to you by alcohol. Oh, you're drinking this time. I have some delicious um, scotch, sweet scotch uh, alcohol, uh, Drambuli, it's called. Oh, okay. uh, Which it's, uh, at least that's what I saw on the bottle. It said sweet scotch, and it had Drambuli, and it said sweetened with honey and spices and, and herbs. And I was like, all right, sounds good. I'll take it. Mm. So what, what kind of finish is it giving you? Is it is it very sweet, very spicy? What is it giving it you? It was very syrupy. It was almost like Ooh. cough syrup level thick. And I was like, okay. oh. So I had to put <laughs> ice and water. Hmm. It's the first time I've ever watered down alcohol before, and it was definitely needed. Holy okay. cow, this thing is hmm. pungent. Do you really feel it, though? Um, <laughs> Now that it's watered down, not so much. I didn't put that much of the alcohol in there, and I kind of put more ah. water in there than I did alcohol. Um, mm. But I think this is at a good level that it's not gonna like hit me like a like a brick. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Which I definitely wouldn't want to be knocked out before even starting the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you go yeah. into your preview and just hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have. I have good faith that you're heavy enough of a weight that you'd need a lot more than that just to to knock you out, especially at four p.m. when you're recording this. Two forty pounds, baby. Yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all muscle though. Oh, wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, it's it's odd because I just put on the weight in such a weird way. I am what you call centrally obese because all the ah. weight builds up on my stomach and my ass and my back and my chest. But like Mm -hmm. you see, my arms and my legs stick out, and you look at me while I'm dressed up, and it's like he looks like a pretty average guy. I don't yeah. see any weight problems with him. And then, like, you see me down in my skivvies, and it's like, I see the weight problems now. <laughs> hmm. I feel like when it builds up on the chest, that actually is pretty helpful, because, you know, that bit kind of pulls up more in front of you when you're wearing a shirt, and then the, it kind of tents over where, like, your stomach would be, so it kind of it feels more distributed, you know? Oh. It's like having bigger shoulders can help hide it, too. I'd rather just have, like, a pot belly instead of, like, the chest I got, because I'm oh, really? kind of self-conscious about my chest, where it's like... 
I got boobs, mm. and I just like look uh-huh. at them sometimes. And it's like I know there's not much fat there. I can feel yeah. my chest right under them. Like if I just push on them, and it's like, yeah, there's the the bone yeah. and the muscle. It's right there. If I would mm. just do some workouts on my chest, I would pr- probably get some nice pecs. But instead, I got moves. That's a really hard place to work out, isn't it? Though, like to not really. I mean, you got the right machines. You do push-ups. You can work out the chest area. It's just. I hop on the treadmill for an hour a day because that's all I can do. So all I'm really working out is my legs, my calves, and maybe my stomach if I work out hard enough. Yeah, it's cardio. Cardio is good for just overall fat loss. Yeah, and that's what I'm really trying to go for is that resistance cardio training, which Mm. supposedly is supposed to be good for the central fat or central obesity Mm. where it builds up and it really kicks it off. So, Yeah. Well, I have heard that if if you're going to tackle fat, like um, a much higher percent of it more than exercise is just diet in general like muscle yeah you're gonna need to put a lot more workout in there but um if it's to to lose weight specifically that diet does a lot of the work for you too so yeah and the problem is i hear so many different ways of like oh you do this to lose weight oh you got to eat this and this and i've tried a lot of different things like right now i'm on a i have kind of a light breakfast it's just applesauce yogurt and some toast and then Mm -hmm. for lunch i have like almost nothing i have a uh, one or two energy bars. I have either a Cliff Bar or a Luna Bar with a Snapple. Uh-huh. And even during the weekend, that's not even what I do. Instead of the Snapple, I just drink water. And then for dinner, that's when my main big meal is. Like, I either ah. during the week go to Subway, uh, eat fresh, and I get my six inch veggie delight on wheat with a bag of chips and some uh, iced tea. Or when I'm at home during the weekends, I kind of just try to find whatever's at the house to eat. Uh, if there's a pizza, I can just cook it up and eat half of it one day and then the other half the other day. Uh, or days like today where my father's girlfriend made some weird stew stuff, I'll probably take a, take part in her stew and be like, well, this isn't that great, but I'll eat it anyways because, you know, she makes gluten-free stuff and so can't really ah, get into the, yeah. Right, I see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I tried gluten-free bread once. It was like a brick. <laughs> but maybe that was just a bad version. It's probably a bad version. There is good gluten-free bread out there, but you gotta, I got to say, it doesn't really matter whether or not it's good or bad gluten-free bread. Any gluten bread is better than gluten-free bread. Yeah. <laughs> if it's good, it's good for gluten-free bread. It's not good bread. Definitely, yes. Because, I mean, what makes bread bread? Gluten. Gluten. Yep. Gluten. Yep. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think we've uh, uh, rambled on long enough and we can get into some IRL news. Mm. Okay, and I think I'm going first, so Indeed. I'm just going to try to breeze through mine as fast as possible. Um, back in Manchester now, for working purposes, of course. I didn't mention last week, but amongst the games I actually did manage to finish, I also finished Injustice 2, like just went through pretty much the whole thing in two sittings. Nice. Um, the story is pretty long. Um, I thought it was just going to be like a movie, three hours long, but it was uh, closer to six hours actually. Maybe because I died a few times well, or lost a few fights. Um, and then there's like this, this bit at the end, I'm not going to obviously spoil too much, but there's like a split ending where you choose between which side wins between two characters. and. Um, in order to get the second ending, you have to do all the other optional fights. So, like, if there was a fight previously at the start, like, where you had to play as Green Arrow or Black Canary, you have to choose the opposite for all of those different split paths so that you can get the alternate ending. Um, so, yeah, it's another Injustice game. Um, 
to be honest, I think I like the cast, I like the characters, and I like the controls. It plays fine. Um, I was, I don't know if you've seen, have you seen maybe like a YouTube video that does the whole story or, or anything I've, like that? The only thing I've seen of Injustice 2 are the finishers, which I do love how interesting all their different finishers are, specifically like Superman, where he just like, I believe he like, uh, like pulls you out into outer space, right? Oh, that's in Injustice 1, yeah. He shoots, he hit, punches you all the way into space, then thumps you back down like a meteor. But in this one, he doesn't hit you as far as space. He, like, hits you into the clouds and then repeatedly punches you. And then he dashes in, in front of where you're going to be, grabs you by the face, and then slams you into the ground. Ah. In Injustice 2. They're, yeah, they, they, they do have, have a lot of fun making their finishers in Injustice. Yeah, I'd, it is kind of a little bit, like, they're never that brutal, like they're like mm. they they can be kind of violent, but like when compared to like Mortal Kombat, it just doesn't look yeah. the same. Um, it's not a fatality. Yeah, and the and yeah. the other thing I watched was all the interaction dialogue. Like the characters uh-huh. show up on the the match and they're talking to each other, and a lot mm-hmm. of it's very humorous, especially mm-hmm. uh, a Blue Scarab, where yeah. like, most mm-hmm. of the stuff he says or he's like, it's <laughs> he just he just shows up and it's just like, huh? I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> yeah, I think there's one like he meets Supergirl, and then you know it's like, oh, you know, he's he's being cocky at start, and then she's like, well, you'll be lucky if you're able able to strangle me, and he's like, yep, I would be, <laughs> you know, really nervously, uh, going into fight Supergirl. Um, but yeah, the story overall, it's I, to be honest, it felt like a long episode of like a show more than it did a movie, mm-hmm. and I kind of liked. I think overall, I liked the obviously the graphics are better in this this game, but. I kind of liked the story better in one. It felt more like a movie that had build-up and you played as different characters. Um, I think a lot more characters of the cast you got to play, a lot of mirror matches. Um, and then it, it just had these different battles that happened between, like, you know, these big set pieces. In this one, it's basically one big set piece. Brainiac is going to invade the Earth and then Batman and Superman are going to have to stop them before they can settle their feud. That's pretty much it. You know, it feels like it starts and ends like an episode. But it has a very good presentation to it, so you know it was fun. But I'm not, sh- I'm not sure I'm completely sold on the story. It was okay. Um, I also would have liked if they were able to fit in the DLC characters in there, but obviously that's not possible when they made it. But eh, you know what are you gonna do? So yep, overall good game. I haven't, I'm not don't think I'm gonna bother investing in the DLC characters yet because they are really expensive. It's almost like the cost of the game itself if I was to buy all the season one and season two DLC characters at this point. Is that like the? Is there? Did they have like the predator or something in there or like? Or uh, yeah, there are some cameos. It's not the predator. They have Hellboy. Ah, right. Uh, and they're going to be adding in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know oh, which right. one, but they're gonna add in TMNT. Probably Raphael. Point. Yeah, he's the violent, popular one with the two little. Yeah, what do you call those things? Those little dagger things. Oh, so. they uh. Uh, <laughs> Electra uses them. Forget what they call. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Size? Are they called size? I don't know what they call them. Uh, um, yeah, size. S A I. Size. Yeah. My favorite was always Michelangelo, though. He was always the he was the comedy guy of the group. I kind of liked his attitude. Did you have a favorite? I liked the smart nerdy one. Was that Donatello? Donatello. Donatello. Yeah. He does machines. Yeah. Yeah. He was funny too. Um. So yeah, finished that. Also, they released Street Fighter V Arcade Edition. I haven't had much time to actually try that out because I've been quite busy catching up with work this week now that I'm back into the working routine. Nice. Uh, 
but they have uh, they've added arcade modes, and you get a free trial right now, which I haven't tried of the new character Sakura. Right now, she's basically like Ryu, but like a girl, <laughs> but except a school girl. And um, I know they've given everybody new moves. It feels like my guy's been nerfed, my main guy, uh, which I'm not too happy about at the moment. But I think if I practice enough, there might be some positives to glean from this. It's just like a lot of the combos I practiced like religiously don't work anymore so I'm gonna have to rethink my strategy quite a bit hmm. and in terms of Fire Emblem Heroes I caved in and paid they finally got me to pay money um, oh, no. I paid yeah I know it's bad it won't did it work of this. Hmm? did it work the paying money or uh, do one of those like I've done that too where I paid money for something where it's like I know I'll probably never like ever use this ever again for like this one instance but I want it and I will pay 20 bucks and then you pay the 20 bucks and you open up the loot box and it's like oh I I didn't get it oh oh well it wasn't it wasn't really that because um I I paid the four pounds for like the starter set they they released like a starter set oh yes with the dark knight yeah they released that so I knew exactly what I was going to be getting I mean they did give us some orbs with that and I did spend that towards some, uh, you know, some character draws, but I didn't get anybody good, so that's not worth mentioning. Um, but yeah, I, I thought, this is a pretty good deal, actually, because on its own, the, the orbs are worth... Um, they usually cost more for that amount of orbs for £4, but then coupling with that, the Black Knight and the other drops it gave with it, I thought, yeah, I'll do that, even though I'm definitely not a starter. Like, you know, it's like, oh, it's for starters. Um, I decided to go with it anyway. And it was interesting to get the Black Knight. And from that, I did learn that they also have different character... Like, you know that has voice clips when you tap on a character in the right. profile? Mm-hmm. Since that's my first five-star version of that character, I noticed that he has different phrases if he's five-star. So I think that might be true for everybody, where if they're five-stars, they have different phrases. For you. Uh, what, as opposed to, like, their four-star counterpart yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah, it seems that way. Because, um, like, I, I went back to my four-star one and tried to get it, but... Uh, that same phrase but he would never say it it's really interesting because it's like he's become close to you the black knight despite his character because he's just like i am here to protect you and i can just imagine like some fangirl squeeing over that you know him saying that he's this big metal knight guy has come over here just to protect you you know Mm. Uh, yeah so yeah apparently the characters have individual phrases it's just another like attention to detail thing that I appreciate they have in this game over the other popular app game I used to play, Pokemon Go, where they're kind of very lax on the updates and there's not actually that much detail. Except for that one time where if you walk around with Pichu enough and you check your avatar, your avatar's holding Pichu in his arms and I, I, I found it was the most adorable thing. I was just like, whoa. But yeah, yeah that, that's always, the one time they got me. I always wanted them to do like a super... like go like with like the fan base on like the the creepier side of pokemon and maybe like during (laughs) halloween do like a uh like just like randomly put out an update where like if people are walking around like just randomly if they're using pokemon go their phone will just start doing the dun 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 yeah lavender town Mm -hmm. and if like you look around long enough you'll see the ghost Mm -hmm. i'd love that yeah Mm -hmm. like and just like just like the amount of nopes that people would be like nope Nope, 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 nope. Yeah. <laughs> going going home now. And they need to make it rare enough where that, you know, some people aren't sure if it's a prank or if it's really real, you know? Yes, yes. Yeah, they need to make it, like, kind of elusive and it will, like, create lots of myths on the internet and people will be like, oh, well, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? And it and would just it, it draw could, yeah. all the attention to it, too. Yeah, 
that would be a clever thing, but you know, Niantic isn't that clever with that. They're no. Unfortunately, app developers over game developers, really. So, and even then, they kind of yeah. Even then, they kind of dropped the ball a bit on app developing because there's. Mm-hmm. It took a long time for a lot of their stuff to not crash, for instance. But <laughs> yeah. Ugh. And lastly, because I I want to mention it now because I forgot to mention it the last two weeks. I just wanted to put it as a side note. In progress with the thing about getting us on live and stuff, I have set up the Discord Discord server two weeks ago. So that is almost all. Yeah, well, it's not almost. It's it's all ready to go pretty much. We just need the AOK from the higher ups, um, which I think you've already emailed Welltall about. I think everybody about in terms of uh, getting the OK to go for, ahead with the Discord server. Yeah, I, it, well, into... I mean, you you asked, and I said that you should ask Welltall. All we need to do mm-hmm. is get the okay. Um, yeah, and they have been active. Like they just recently put out a massive update of stuff. So if you're he- hearing this first, get prepared for a lot of popcorn pulls and manga pulls coming your way because oh boy, <laughs> they have quite the lineup. Mm. So yeah, exciting times in the future. Just wanted to just to put that out at the very end of that. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll try and brush through our comments as well, uh, uh-huh. as ending the IRL section part. Um, the first one, you actually partially replied to already. I wonder if you wanted to expand on your answer. But um, first one's by Midnight Crew on the Machiavellianism uh, joint review. He said, been looking forward to hearing a joint review, so it's awesome that you finally got well, them going. Was uh, a fun and interesting listen, though for a while it was mostly Joe speaking with only the occasional comment by Andrew. But it was I enjoyable nonetheless. That. Yeah, but I felt like it was kind of fitting because, um, you know, you were explaining the synopsis of the story. You were just like, there wasn't really much to debate when you were just going over the plot. And then we, we debated more afterwards once we got the plot out of the way. Yeah, I, I do I do agree with that, but I definitely think I strong-armed the uh, synopsis a bit. Ah, well, it, you know, doesn't, it's, our fir- it's our first go in that anyway. And, you know, I didn't have any problems with your synopsis of it. it everything you said was true. Especially the, the attention to detail in the, the bath scene fight. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but it was enjoyable nonetheless, and Andrew did get more active later, so hey. Uh, I haven't watched Show Mach myself, but I remember having a rather intense reaction to the synopsis. I loathe the stereotyping and particularly hate the gender stereotypes and gender double standards. So you can imagine how that panned out. You got the setting where the girls are all armed, abusive assholes who will happily threaten and torment the unarmed guys, yet somehow the guys are the monsters. Of course, if one of the guys were to ever turn things back on the girls and do them, do to them uh, what they do to the guys, then they'd suddenly be the most despicable creature in history. Hypocrisy at its finest. I ranted about this to a friend until I learned that the premise of the show was that the guy who wouldn't put up with the bullshit was fighting the top warrior girls, which softened my opinion of the show, though just by a bit. I am personally fed up with shows that try to pass female on male abuse as comedy, while the reverse would be considered horrific. Thankfully, the show seems to recognise that everyone is in this school is daft, superficial twit, and that neither side is particularly worth cheering for. It's something, XD. And then you, you replied back that I'd be happy if a girl views me, though. Yeah, um, yeah, me and my, uh, my love for the yawn. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there is a scene where they do tie um, the main guy upside down. Like they do like that torture where he's hanging over water and he's blindfolded, and they're like slapping him with sticks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're doing that sort of water torture upside down thing on him. So 
there, there, there's that if you if you need to get your fill. Although one thing I do want to clarify <laughs> with this uh, reaction back is that uh, yeah, if you are not looking for these sort of stereotypes and stuff in this show, yeah, you d- it's definitely not the show for you. Um, although one thing I want to clarify is I may have accidentally made it seem that the show is self-aware about making sure that both sides look like they're, you know, like it says, daft superficial twits, um, and neither side's worth cheering for. I don't think I'd give the show that much credit and say that it was self-aware about that. It's just an observation I got from watching it that, you know, all the guys are this one way and all the girls are this one way, and I, I think they just did it because they either thought it was funny or that's just kind of how other you know, shows of this type are written. So, yeah, uh, if you have problems with that, I definitely don't think it's uh, it's for you unless you get the uh, the joy out of the other elements that we talked about. I can't remember specifically what praises we gave um, to it, but you know, there probably are, there were some merits there. I gave it I gave it a Netflix, so it's it's it's, it's all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next comment was by Yotaru, who says, "I also got a new phone." But not the fancy iPhone X, thank God, that thing costs like nearly a grand. Uh, I actually upgraded from an iPhone 4S to an iPhone 6S. You read that, you read that right. I had to immediately get a case as well, because the phone just feels naked and fragile as is. I buy the, ba- the battery cases, which gives you extra juice. No need to carry around a plug. Oh, and spoilers for Metal Gear Survive, Andrew. The S should stand for something else other than survive. I'm guessing sublime? Uh, people are playing the beta and they're not enjoying it. It is a beta, but the Metal Gear with no Kojima is not a great idea. Might have loot boxes though, <laughs> and then he puts a YouTube link in there, which I haven't clicked on yet. It's uh, it's a video about people trying out the Metal Gear Survive as mm. the review on the beta. So I'm guessing it's not a positive review then. So yeah, there's that. And then oh, we got one more as well before um. Just before we started recording this, actually, there's one on our last episode with the how to raise a certain scientific railgun by Shieldbro. Uh, in response to the podcasts on Android, there are a lot of them on the Play Store. The one I'm using right now is an app called Pocket Casts, which I and a lot of other people found out to be less buggy than the Apple Podcast app. When I bought it two years ago, it it was a it's a paid app. However, there are other free apps on the Play Store, but I won't be able to tell you about the amount of content that they have or how stable the app is. So thanks for chiming in with that, Shield Bro. Good advice for those wanting to listen to it on various mobile devices. I'm actually really happy in general because um, I'm just going to finish off with the forum posts. Um, but we've been getting quite a lot of good res- you know, good responses and quite a lot of responses lately on our um, episodes, but also just the forum in general. It's people are starting to come back who have stopped listening for years. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of encouraging to, to hear. They're like, oh, we've stopped, but we've come back. And, you know, it's now starting to feel like the community is, like, becoming a lot more lively again. So, um, lastly, uh, the question I asked this week was watching habits. So, it was about... Uh, I was trying to survey the way people watch their anime. So, it's pretty... So, the question is, do you like marathoning or a series... Or do you prefer to savor them by watching them single episodes at a time? Do you like to watch series as they're coming out, or do you prefer to wait until the fin- the series is finished? Uh, so that was the question I asked, and we got quite a few answers. Uh, first one's by Queen Inoue. Uh, there are some shows that I don't hear about until after the series finished, and so I will marathon those, but I do like watching new shows week to week as they come out. Some series that I might be interested uh, I may wait until it finishes airing to watch because maybe my watch list for the month is totally full. 
But majority is week to week for me. Next is a short one by Kyle's 983 I try my best to watch at least the first four episodes of each new series every season week to week. Then continue, then continue after with the anime that I enjoyed. I do also like marathoning, but usually it's anime that I fell behind on. Thank you for the question. Ah, thank you, Kyle. Also, that's a lot of anime if you watch the first four episodes of every show that comes out. That's that's some dedication there. Uh, Zaldera comes in with. It really depends on how much free time I have, which can vary wildly depending on the requirements of my job. Sometimes I just watch series one episode at a time. Other times I marathon it, or more realistically half marathon it, where I can watch a large block of episodes and then come back to the remainder when I can. It also depends on if the whole series is actually available for viewing and how I'm watching said series, be it via online or physical media. Almost done. <laughs> Next is uh, Yotaru Vegeta. I don't marathon anime often. Uh, I reserve that for a holiday break or a free day weekend. Usually I will watch an anime during every meal, then I might watch another app afterwards. I'm guessing that would be the dessert. Um, and then lastly is by Marajibi, which was uh, just posted today actually. I don't marathon as often as I used to, but every now and then I stumble on a show that you just can't put down. I tend to watch seasonal anime in weekdays and give a show from the, the ever-growing backlog a go in some weekends. I usually watch shows as they come out, except if I read the manga. It's like watching a football slash soccer match that you already know the result of. You don't want to watch the boring build-up, just the highlights. And that closes it up. <laughs> Pretty lengthy uh, post section there. Mm. Yeah. Alright. Well, for my IRL <laughs> news, uh, this week... Went by pretty smoothly. Friday, one of my coworkers uh, took the day off. She got the, uh, uh, as my co- as my supervisor put it, the Friday sickness, <laughs> oh. or the uh, I want to extend my weekend sickness. <laughs> uh. So uh, yeah, she uh, wasn't in, and uh, we had to work a man short, which is kind of difficult right now, considering we're already a man short. Um, Ah, yes. But we were able mm-hmm. to pull it off, mostly because it was Friday, so there really wasn't that much to do. Um, but it kept me busy. Uh, in the terms of this weekend, I did my review for uh, for uh, Showa Bitch uh, Ken or whatever it was. Ah, Shosh Bitch. Yes, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. Show Bitch. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I did my review for that, and that's up now, my written review. Um, oh dear. I'll have a look. I I was able to work out, got a good workout on uh, Saturday. Mm-hmm. And uh last night I was grinding away at Fire Emblem Heroes. I was trying ah. my hardest to earn that Camilla and I got a character that will make you jelly. Oh, you got Azusa or Azura, I forget her name. Did you get her? Uh I got Azura. That's nice. That's good. Yeah, a shame because I'll never use her. Oh, really? Not, not yeah, even a just, secondary team? No, I don't have any secondary team. I have one team. It's called Spears Tip. Um, <laughs> Spears actually, what? Sorry. Spears Tip. Spears uh, I'm, Tip. I have another team called Team Waifu. Uh huh. Which uh, eventually will have all the characters that I uh, like <laughs> on yeah. it. But uh, for now, 
It's just the two characters. It's got Kangaro and uh, Christmas Tarja. Christmas but Tarja. for my main team for Spears Tip, as of what I call it, I got Christmas uh-huh. Tarja, I got Kangaro, I got um, uh, Ira, and I got Lin, or Brave Lin. Ah, Brave Lin, yes. Brave Lin. So that's mm-hmm. my main team that I hit things with. Um, uh, Tharja's becoming kind of a beast because right now I've, she's got the close counter. She's got Vantage 3. She has the uh, Savage Blow. So Ah, Savage's yeah. aerial around her. Yeah, around yep. the enemy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and for... Uh, for Kangaroo, she's got the, uh, she's got, of course, the Poison Dagger, uh, Poison Dagger, the Warden Blow, Dagger Breaker, the Threaten Res 3, and the, uh, Spur Defense 1, so it works great because she and Tharja are paired up, so Uh. anytime she's behind Tharja, which is where I usually put her, she's giving more defense to Tharja. Yeah. So she's making mm-hmm. a tank like Tharja even more tanky. Do mm. you think you're gonna add a healer to the group just to like keep these all like alive and healthy or I don't really use healers that often. I mean I got a five star gold Jenny, but I just don't really like if you're gonna go in there, like what I like to do is I like to I like to either have a advantage member where it's like okay i've got a uh i've got the rock paper scissors character that will take care of your rock your paper and your scissors on my team uh-huh. and i have that fourth one who's kind of just like the if i can't deal with like because you have one it's also the fourth one i can go after that one with this one ah uh-huh. yeah mm-hmm. so meta one mm-hmm. yeah so i like to have a red a blue and a green and then i like to have that uh colorless in there as mm, well mm. okay yeah that makes sense yeah so mm-hmm. i i typically like to just like go in put tharja at the front right now get behind her enemies will come at her if she, like it's someone who's going to kill her i'll throw lin out there damage them a little bit pull lin back if i can and then yeah. tharja usually can take a hit from that like usually it's a blue spear because that's the one thing that can damage tharja pretty pretty often yeah um mm-hmm. but as it stands right now, uh, it's a. I've got a pretty good team comp. Um, yeah. The only thing I'd like to see is I'd like to get rid of Ira, replace oh, her yeah. with the Red Sword, Camilla, which I'm still hoping to get. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Because Camilla can move farther because she's a flying unit, mm. and she's mm-hmm. uh, while she's not nearly as powerful, uh, I think the speed in this case would help out a lot more because. Um, I need a character that can go over all types of terrain really quickly. Mm. Also, if you give her a reposition, she could be on top of a mountain and she can move somebody over a mountain for them. Like, so she can be really good at repositioning units over mountains. It's pretty right. good. Yeah. Uh, other she, than... would be on, she would be on Team Waifu, though. Like, she wouldn't be on Spear Tip. No, she'd be on Team Waifu. I'd probably put her on Spear Tip. Um... Until I put her on spear tip once I got her leveled up enough. Um, And then the last character, I'm still not sure who I'm going to get because I have, uh, I have my, 
I have my red mage, which is Tharja. I have my um I have my colorless, which is uh Kongero. Mm-hmm. Uh I ha and I need a green who I want to have a green axe, which would be great if I had you know, I have Azura, I could have her use it, but I just mm. I don't like her character. I just if you don't wanted like her. a green though, um I thought you would have picked uh, that Tharja copy, whatever her name is. You know the one that looks like Tharja but is is a green mage and she she's in the sequel. That's true, the Raja, but yeah, she's I green, don't so I don't want to have too many mages on my team ah. because while Tharja is a tank, um, she's still a mage and she's yeah. all about range. Well, she can counterattack any distance, but when it comes to attacking, she has to be ranged. So I want something that can also do close damage. So right. I want that that I want an axe wielder and I want a sword wielder or a spear. Um, I mean, it would be. It'd make a lot of sense if I just threw my Christmas Robin in there because then, you know, <laughs> yeah, it would match up with Tharja and those two would just be unstoppable. But uh-huh. uh, I, th- I think it would make Tharja happy too. Yeah, but I don't want to put my waifu with her husbando. No, <laughs> I refuse. No. Okay. <laughs> oh. uh, outside of Fire Emblem Heroes, <clears throat> I've been doing a bit more Overwatch again, of course. Um, mm-hmm. still not earning any achievements in that damn game. I just, I just want to get the achievements so I can stop playing that dumb game because it's mm. fun, but God damn is the community toxic. Like you just jump in and it's just people arguing when they have any headphones and then that's lucky if they do have headphones and a mic because sometimes they just don't and they don't pay attention at all when you do have headphones and a mic. They're just like, oh, there's a, there's a reaper heading behind us, guys. Mm-hmm. Guys, Reaper, guys, protect your heel. Never mind. Ah, so you feel you almost feel forced to wear the headphones because it gives you an advantage. Otherwise, you would just mute them all. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I usually mute anyone who starts talking because it's just like, oh, you're just going to be annoying this entire thing because you're just going to be like, oh, you're playing music, great. Well, I'll report you and I'll mute you. Oh, you're arguing with two people, I'll report you and I'll mute you. Oh, mm. you're great. You're just you have a baby crying in the background. I'll just mute you. <laughs> Attend to the baby. Why yeah, see to your child, you? fool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I see. I mean, it never stops though. You get all the achievements, but then won't you want to rank up and you know? No, I'm not competitive no? in that game. I play it for fun. Like oh. I just, my favorite thing about it is the arcade mode. I just like to fuck around and and just like do all the different types of uh, like the. My favorite one is the full, it's like the full calamity or the full assault or something like that, or where basically like your supers, they regenerate faster and your, all your abilities take less time to uh, regenerate. So like when you play Moira, you can just like throw three damaging balls out there and just like blink around a bunch and just really piss people off. It's so fun. Um, and the other one being low gravity, where you're kind of just floating around and everyone's kind of almost like doing ballet in that because you're spinning around trying to block damage and get away mm. from each other. Yeah. You almost had that song playing in the background. Oh, the Nutcracker Suite? Yeah, the Nutcracker. Yeah. Every time I play that, like, I just think like, ah, oh, everyone's <laughs> doing the Nutcracker. They're just jumping around and yeah. attacking each other. It's fun. 
But that's like what I like about Overwatch. I don't like the competitive stuff. I like to watch okay. it, but I don't like mm-hmm. to play it. Ah, mm-hmm. fair enough. Yeah. And I, of course, watched a bunch of anime. Uh, for, of course, for previews, but not only for previews, just to watch anime in general to enjoy it. Um, I'm up to like oh, the the amount of awe factor I'm in with uh, with Three Gatsu no Lion, which I'm all mm-hmm. caught up on. Oh my god! Like I mean, I already talked about the bullying thing, but like yeah. the anime is just so it's brilliant, and it really would have taken a higher spot or it would have taken a spot on my top ten list if of I all had. Time? Well, no, the top ten list that I'm that for 2017. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I don't have like a top ten full time. I ah. I have like the ones that I remember that have earned a perfect score for me, which only two have ever earned. Um, which uh-huh. that being, uh, Isekai no Seki Shimano Gatari, which got a ten out of ten, and the other one being, uh, shoot, uh. Mahoka. Mahoka. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Magic High School. Yeah. I think there was... I think there may have been another one. I think Bacano may have gotten a perfect 10 out of 10 for me, ah, too. So you watched but that show as well. That's a good show. Yes, I loved it. It's a great show. Mm, but it's been good. so long, I just can't remember whether or not I did give it a perfect... I don't keep mm. a list around. I just kind of... You know, I have the... Um, I have the blog, but I don't have, like, a list of all my top stuff. So you prefer Bacano to their other their other show of a similar style that sometimes gets compared to it, Durarara? I like Durarara, but it's its own anime. Um, Bacano, I liked... A lot of people said it was confusing. They really couldn't follow it, which I understand because it does do a lot of cutting between time. But in the end, I did really enjoy the the characters and just like the oh, amount yeah. of building and how they make you care for them so much. Just like mm. you got like the psychopathic train killer murderer dude, but he actually cares about some of the other people when the, con- oh, the, you know, when the action- yeah, like the, when the conductor mm. dies, he gets upset about that. He's like, this old man didn't deserve to die. He, he was just a nice old man. He really didn't deserve to die. And then like he meets the, the mute girl and he gets you know he apologizes when he like calls her out and like why can't you say anything say something and then she's like you know pointing at her throat and saying i can't you know given like the signal that she can't talk and he's like oh oh i'm i'm really sorry i i'm really sorry and then of course he falls in love with her and he he meets up with one of the girls he terrified later as the rail tracer and he's like so i know i almost killed you but can you give me some dating advice Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah was he your favorite guy then Claire Stanfield. I really liked him. He was super awesome. Um, but I think of all the characters, I probably liked um, uh, Maria and Isaac the best. Ah, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're a good pair. Just, I yeah. love them so much. They're such a comedic duo, and they're really great for each other. And, of course, they're immortal. <laughs> yeah, they're still living in our time, but they, they, they don't even realize that. Yeah, they're just of... like, wow, we're doing really well. Our health history is great. Yeah, <laughs> they're wearing modern clothes and everything, yeah. But uh, as you were saying, you were, you would have said that uh, Frigatsu no Line would have made your top 10 last year then? Yes, it would have yeah. made it if I had actually caught up on it. Like, I didn't cover it because I'd only seen two episodes of it. 
at the point mm-hmm. I did my top 10 list. Yeah. And now that I'm completely caught up, caught up on it, it's like it had the bullying stuff, which was amazingly handled. It had this, uh, it, it dealt with how I was like, how is uh, Kamina, or Kamina, how is, uh, how is our main character going mm-hmm. to fight the top player of Shogi? Mm-hmm. And I was always like, well, he's not going to climb the ladder of Shogi and become number two, and then they fight and have this epic battle. It's not a shonen anime. No, it, mm. it. but they do it in such a brilliant way where it's just like, where it's just, oh, he won this other tournament, and because this other person who we weren't expecting to win a tournament kind of ruined our our PR with, you know, like this big upcoming match, we're going to have you fight the top guy as like, you know, kind of like a fun little match to earn money. And it yeah. made sense. And it was like, that's something that like people who have sponsors would do. They'd be like, these two people are young. They like, they're attractive. They're, you know, they have fans who are, who aren't like 60 years old. It was very cool. Mm-hmm. And oh, okay. now they're getting into the battle and it hasn't mm-hmm. officially begun yet, but they just like the last episode just left them left off on them sitting down at the shogi table and just being like it's going to start it's going to be great and i'm really hoping to see an upset where maybe he doesn't win because shogi it's not just one match it's not just going to be one match between them it'll be a couple but uh-huh. i'm hoping to see i'm hoping to see him win at least one match against uh soya who's the main the uh, main uh main top player character mm-hmm. yeah. i'm hoping to see him win against uh against him mm-hmm. so it's got you kind of anticipating the climax sort of thing it's it's, it's definitely still ongoing now, right it's yes still ongoing. and even yeah. if he doesn't like i definitely think that soya who plays the game in this way that he kind of leaves himself open in a beautiful manner where like if the opponent notices it the move that you have to make to basically win that 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 point is just like it's mm. beautiful and so hidden it's like and you know and in the previous season um uh shoot uh our main character he noticed it and he pointed it out and everyone was like did he did he guess correctly that that's what you had to do to win cuz he beat soya mm ah. yeah yeah, it's got me. It's got me all happy. Yeah, uh, it's, it's 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 a good all round story. It sounds it's really good character yep. drama and really good story, and yep. keeps you hooked on the action. But on a similar note to that, getting added to your top ten, if it was fin- you know if you had finished watching more of it last year, because I know one person would be happy to hear me say this. Um, I have finished Hoseki no Kuni, and while I'm not reviewing it yet, it would have made my top ten last year. Just wanted to throw that in there because I know somebody wanted wanted that to be in the list. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That uh, does it for my IRL news. Let's uh, get into some industry news. Okay. And just jumping straight right in. Nope. Straight right on in. Ah. Fucked it. Anyway, uh, Shonen Jump exhibit uh, featuring the 90s manga and anime to open in Tokyo this year. So it's the 50th anniversary since the first issue of Weekly Shonen Jump publication 
was released. You may have heard of it. You know, famous for such shows as Dragon Ball, Yu-Gi-Oh, all that sort of stuff. Yu Yu Hakusho, Naruto today, or I suppose Boruto. And um, they already did start. They've announced a Shueisha announced like a series of exhibits that will be featuring you know artworks and all that sort of stuff um, from its vast history. They already did finish one last year, which was Volume One from the beginning of the eighties, the start of the legend. Uh, this was already featured though last year in July and October, uh, twenty seventeen, uh, and it featured obviously their sixties to eighties manga, which included Fist of the North Star, Saint Seiya, and City Hunter. But this second exhibition that is going to be held this year um, will have a lot of the ones that, you know, people from the 90s can really appreciate. You know, ones that um, I'm certainly appreciative appreciative of, uh, such as Dragon Ball, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! in particular. But there's also going to be ones like Ruroni Kenshin and Yu Yu Hakusho. So quite a lot to be excited about. The exhibit is titled um, A Historical... 6.53 million copies in circulation, which isn't talking about the number of copies in circulation, but the amount that were actually uh, printed in one issue, that being in 1995, which was a double issue, um, issues three and f- numbers three and four, uh, which is apparently the highest in Shonen Jump history. Um, if you want to get in, uh, tickets cost 2,000 yen per adult at the door, which is about 18 US dollars. But um, you can get this special pin set with your pre-order ticket if you're willing to spend uh, nine point f- sorry nine point five nine nine thousand five hundred yen in advance. So there is that. Um, so the exhibit is going to consist of eight sections and feature original hand-drawn illustrations from your favorite nineties jump manga. There's also going to be a space called Jump to the Two Thousands, dedicated to manga that started in the nineties but became a jump flag bearers of the 2000s, such as One Piece, Naruto, and Bleach might have heard of them. Uh, while the same manga will also be featured in Volume 3, this particular part of the exhibit will only be around for Volume 2, so don't skip this part, says the article. I, I read that part. Anyway, uh, yeah, so every visitor will also get a free sticker of Weekly Shonen Jump's 90th, 90s issue cover, and randomly chosen from one of nine possibilities featuring nine different manga. Each one of also has two varieties depending on if you pre-order tickets or purchased it on the day you attended. And of course there will also be a store featuring lots of original merchandise. So this is sort of a must for any collectors out there. And I bet things from this exhibit are going to sell for ridiculous prices on eBay and stuff. So yeah, it's going to be happening um, between the March 19th and June 17th at Mori Art Centre. Um, and tickets are being sold at your local 7-Eleven. Well, it won't be local to us though, but... Yep, that's about it. That's the first one. So very cool stuff. Uh, what have you got? Oh, uh, my first piece of news here. Oh, my only piece of news is a isekai contest. So if you've ever had a idea for a <clears throat> or an idea uh, and the artistic talent to put forth a manga about a character entering another world, well, now's the time to jump on that bandwagon and hope your dream catches on fire because there is currently a Kodokawa comic walker in uh, Dawango's Niko Niko Doga uh, created a new contest this year focusing entirely on being transported to another world. The Isekai comic Taisho kicks off on February the 1st with a grand prize of 500,000 yen which is about $4,500 in American monies. 
And a second prize for the FLOS, or FLOSS, award will be given to the best work targeting women and includes a cash reward of 300,000 yen, or $2,700, as well as publishing opportunities. All submissions must be received by May the 6th, and the winners will be announced in May. The stories must include a hero that is transported from one world to another or into a video game, so long as the game is treated like another world. Pure fantasy works, where the hero originates in the fantasy world, are not allowed. Entries should be between the ages of 16 and 80 pages long, or ages, sorry, between 16 and 80 pages long, and can also be submitted via Nika Nico's self-publishing manga website. So, uh, yeah, recently the isekai genre has been kind of blowing up everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A lot of people kind of want to get away from <laughs> from this world, as it were, and go someplace else. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah. this is their way of doing it, is creating these characters that uh, get out of our world or whatever world they're in and end up in that world. I mean, I'm reading a few mm. right now that are like that re-monster where mm. the main character was a super powerful dude in his own world, and he got killed by this girl who was wielding a uh, a very special dagger who was able to successfully kill him, and he resurrected in another world as an orc. Ah, orc. yes. Uh-huh, I remember yeah. this one. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, he's, uh, now he's an ogre, and uh, he's super badass and super cool, and he has lots of sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that works. <laughs> Has it all. And, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other ones that I'm currently reading right now that I can't think off the top of my head, but, mm. um, oh, Death March, for example, that's, I'm reading the manga of that, oh, which right. okay. I'll actually mm-hmm. be previewing later. Um, yeah. And uh, in that one, I mean, that's another transport, another world. Sword Art Online, that's transported to another world. Dot Hack, yeah. that's transported to another world. Mm. Anime specifically, do you have like a favorite or favorites in this sort of genre? Uh, Isekai no Sekishimano Gatari, where right, it yes. is right. um, the, I guess you could you call him the half brother of Tenchi, gets oh, so trans, oh, yep, gets okay. transported to another world. And he is basically like Tenchi on drugs. He is super powerful. And I definitely see him being able to take on Tenchi in an actual, like, battle and win. Because he just, he has that unstoppable can-do aura huh. about him. And it's such a brilliant anime. It's, it's one, it is my number one anime of all time. It's Ooh. ten out of ten. Wow. Will I watch it almost once a year? Really? Wow. Yeah. So I at least watch it ones. once a year. Yeah, I have it hmm. saved on my desktop, and it never actually goes anywhere. It just sits there, and then every now and then I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to watch it again. This is one of the. This is one I've never heard of, and it's also by studios I've actually never really heard of either. Although I've seen it's some of their works. Yeah. Really good. I hmm. highly recommend it to anyone out there who hasn't seen, who loved Tenchi. Yeah. Who hasn't seen a good, Tenchi. yeah, a good Tenchi like work for a while? Yeah. You'll love this one, especially yeah. because uh, if you're like me and you're kind of a nerd about Isekai no Sekishi, if you pay attention to like the light novel stuff, um, the author has actually put out 
books detailing what happens afterwards to uh, Kenshi is his name. Yeah. And how, uh, who he actually ends up with and, you know, their children and that stuff like that. And it's so cool just to pay attention to that kind of stuff. It kind hmm. of makes me sad because I know I'll never see a second season to that anime. But at oh. the same time, I would be worried that nowadays, if they did make a second season, it just wouldn't be as good. Ah, right. Mm-hmm. At least it would have the the possibility of actually being finished, though. Because like a lot of the times they adapt stuff that hasn't been finished. So I'm guessing this is based off a manga, right, or something? Um, uh, this was uh, based off of a light novel, right? So, but it has an ending, right? It has an ending, but it ends off on this ending that's like it does give you one tiny thing where it's like, "Is it over?" question mark. But mm. for the most part, yeah, it's over. Okay, so if they did redo it today, hopefully, like. By studio, I don't know, Shaft or something? I don't know, some, some good studio. Um, at least you wouldn't have to worry about it being like one of those things where they start a, a light novel, but it's like, oh, we can't make another season because the novels haven't gotten far enough yet. So at least they'd be able to finish it, hopefully. Yeah, but and that, it's still it. relatively new. It's 2010 it came out on, so it's it's not like it needs it too much, unlike the original Tenchi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, does it for yeah. my piece of news here. So if uh, you got an idea for being transported to another world and maybe some artistic talent or artistically mm-hmm. talented friend who is willing to help out, then uh, maybe publish your entry to uh, to Nico Nico's self-publishing manga website. Mm, have a scroll through your fanfic.net, whatever it is, website uh, archive and see if you have any that fit this uh, this genre. Maybe you'll win yeah. 300,000 yen. Who knows? Uh, so yeah, uh, I guess I'll move on to our last uh, last article today. It's a bit more somber, but it's Shonen Jump related ish. Um, so yeah, last uh, last fall talked about Hiromitsuru, the voice actress of Bulma in Japan at least, uh, how she had a sudden unfortunate death, and um, while her funeral was kept private, she did have a public memorial or farewell farewell gathering. Um, it was a way for the colleagues and fans to come and celebrate her life. It was attended by approximately 400 people, which is quite a lot. And um, during the service, Goku's voice actress, Masako Nozawa, said a moving speech in which contained, which this bit makes me feel really sad. If you gather the seven Dragon Balls, any wish you want will be granted. But this time, they're useless. I'm sorry. So that's a real bummer, especially to hear Goku say, but uh, yeah, you know appropriate for the time. Uh, the altar of the service uh, was decorated with seven dragon balls, as well as images of Bulma and Anpaman's Dokinchan, uh, beloved characters that she uh, played in the past, made famous. Although she's played many other characters too, but those are probably her most influential. Um, over 400 people attended, I said that already, I'm just rereading that, and I think that just, it just ends with some photos here, doesn't it? Yep, that's pretty much it. So yeah, yeah. final farewells. Ah, uh, Rip, Bulma's actress. Mm-hmm. I only just got into appreciating her, too, because, you know, probably like many other people listening to this, I grew up on the um, English dub. American, yeah, yeah the English yeah, dub. Yeah, but um, when I've watched Dragon Ball Super, you know, it's been voiced by her, or if I played the video games, sometimes they would just have only the Japanese voice, like Budokai 1, so I got to hear her there. So it's, it's sad. Yeah. I... Yes, that moves us on to the previews. 
in a world where laughter was king? Uh, no in a world, Jack. What do you mean, no in a world? It's not that kind of movie. Indeed, that does move us on to previews. So, uh, huzzah, it's previews. Yes, we're done with our reviews for now, or, well, putting them on pause. Yep. And moving on to our previews for the winter of 2018. Um, mm. you know, December's already over, but technically nothing actually happened in December. All this stuff yeah. started coming out this year, in 2018. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, So I believe, many shows. Yeah, and I believe that uh, you'll actually be starting us off with one of yours, because you got three yes. and I got two. Free to go, yes. Gonna try and blow through them. But yeah, so, and they're all themed after a specific thing. So, yeah. Cute, dir- cute girls, cute girls doing cute things, or I'm just gonna short it to Moe Blob shows, whatever the, the fuck you want to call them, I guess. Uh, it might feel like I cover the genre a bit too much, but these types of shows are everywhere these days. And speaking of which, we have three this season that I think fit quite neatly enough in to actually compare, at least. Um, I mean, this is the type of anime that's likely to never die in the foreseeable future, so it may be good to give my piece on what makes them good and what makes them bad. And spoilers, I have two that I like here and one that. I don't like so much, so I'll leave it to you to guess which one it will be. Uh, now, even though it may sound like my previews are going to go on forever um, by covering free, never fear, because um, what tends to happen with um, these types of shows is not much happens in one whole season of these kinds of shows, let alone just one episode. So first up, just hurrying other things along, we begin with the one that most caught my eye, an anime called Sora Yori Mo Basho, probably mispronounced that, or A Place Further Than the Universe. Uh, this story starts with a brunette named Tamaki, uh, Rin, who seems to be living her young years in sloth. The signs are everywhere, uh, she sleeps in, still needs mommy to get her out of bed, and her room is in a similar state as to most of the audience members that are probably watching this show. Awakening, she looks to her diary and there's a list of things she wanted to do when she reached high school, starting with reasonable things like start a diary skip school once and go on a journey without a plan but then she flips the page and it says something more vague and intangible like get the most out of youth and that's it uh she's now suffering from the dreaded midlife crisis she starts greeting just utterly bawling her eyes out and confides in her more sensible glasses wearing friend uh, about that spark that she once held uh, in times long past after all, we got to remember she's like 16, and that's pretty much one foot in the grave already in Japan if anime has taught me anything. So she better get her affairs in order before she has a kids next year. Uh, in the spirit of that, she attempts to make good on those goals. She sets her di- she sets in her diary, but finds herself chickening out before um, being able to actually go through with skipping a day of school. Later on the way home, a long black-haired girl walks by her and drops an envelope that contains one million yen. Returning it to her the next day, she discovers that the girl's named, oh god, uh, Kobuchizawa Shirase, that wasn't so bad, that is considered to be kind of a weirdo in the school, uh, as she is nicknamed Antarctic for her obsession with that place since middle school. Uh, She has secretly been working side jobs in order to save that one million yen as as a fund to eventually travel to the place where her mother went on an expedition and was never seen again. Of course, Rin finds herself quite taken with Shirase, and after sa- uh, saving her from a potentially rough bullying incident, professes her admiration for how she is striving to do something with her youth, in, much, uh, in which Shirase invites her to join her along her um, expedition. To test whether Rin is serious, she asks her to join her 
and completing her story arc, Reen walks into oh no, Reen's sister walks into her room to find that it is incredibly tidy. While uh, Reen runs to meet Shirase at the station, ending in a credit sequence with the two of them journeying to uh, by a train to Hiroshima, where their ship to the place further than the universe is docked. So Antarctica, Antarctica is apparently beyond the edge of the universe. So yeah, uh, that's the synopsis. Thoughts? Well, you may be wondering what caught my eye. I was like scrolling down the seasonal chart and I saw the usual signs of a typical Moe Blob show here, you know, <laughs> in the picture. Uh, granted, it didn't have the death sentence that tends to be uh, the tags comedy and slice of lifes on it. But what is this? Studio Madhouse? I mean, this is quite an acclaimed studio, especially in regards to its animation. And they usually do high class shows like the tomb. Yeah, but seriously, not seriously. I spotted several big mistakes in lining uh, this up with the majority of Moe Blob shows out there. They, they just got wrong. For one thing, this show is severely lacking in fan service department. How am I supposed to grow attached to these main heroines quickly without one bath scene? Or all the girls being immediately introduced in a roll call, just blatantly shouting their archetypes to the camera? Instead, all I'm left with is meaningful character development from the get-go and actual and overarching narrative. Why do all the girls look like they are the same age instead of one of them being overdeveloped and one of them being an underdeveloped lolly? How are they supposed to pander to the obsessive otaku and stand out from the stand out from each other by ironically being put into the same boxes as characters from past shows? And don't get me started on the lack of Yuri pandering either. Instead, we have characters that are written more relatable as people and is decently fresh if you look beyond the Kaon parallels here. The next part where the creators of the show fucked up is that this show uh, is that this show uh, not only looks good, but it has the audacity to be presented really well. I mean, what the hell, Madhouse? Instead of every shot being filled with Moe girls, we actually get shots of the environments without girls. The angles that they do include them don't always have them taking up 90% of the frame either, as if I'm actually supposed to appreciate the environment and atmosphere, as if, that, uh, as if it's going to be about the, going to the Antarctic and not the Moe part. Heck, the environment even includes visual jokes that fit the scene, such as an advertisement that says something like one million yen prize behind Rin when she incidentally picks up an envelope containing one million yen. So yeah, you should probably not even bother with this show this season if you don't like good writing that flows from scene to scene, high production value, charming likeable characters, or you just overall have bad tastes. I'm going to watch it because I like those aspects of the show. Uh, you, can, you can go on with yours. Hmm, I'm detecting sarcasm in there. Yeah, I thought it was the best way to kind of tackle this one. And it also kind of introduces the other shows that... No, the show that's potentially bad, because you could just reverse that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at the voice actresses for it, and they've got some good choices in here. I mean, they got... Oh, yeah? uh, For Mirai, they got Inori Minase, Uh who did other roles like... um, she was uh, in Recreators as Meteorora. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Yep. Yeah, Meteorora's good. Mm-hmm. She was in Heavy Object as Orihime. Uh, uh, oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in... Um, she was in Himoto Uwamaru-chan R as uh, Kongoro. Oh, I don't know who that is, <laughs> and I don't care. Oh, God. No. Oh. That... <laughs> Yeah. Um performances were good, Bo. Yeah, you got you got Shirase as Kanahanazawa. Oh, she's really popular. 
Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hinata played by Yuka Iguchi, who uh, was Index from a certain scientific railgun. Index. (laughs) And uh, for Yuzuki, we have uh, Sayori Hayami, uh, who Mm. did stuff like, uh, let's see here. Oh, she was Ayase from Ore no Imoto and Sachi from Sword Art Online. Oh, okay. You probably you know, appreciate just, the former. Just those no-named <laughs> actresses. Don't pay attention to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not at all. So they had reeks of madhouse, eh? Like, they would be able to get them on top mm-hmm. in these rules. Yeah. Well, speaking of madhouse, mm. I've got another one that's also being produced by Madhouse. Overlord Season 2. So, Season 2 uh, picks up about right around where season one ended um our main character uh by the name of Einzul Goldwyn um or Momogana has uh successfully defeated uh the mind-controlled Shaltir Bloodfallen who is one of his companions and uh is now dealing with kind of the uh the construction of a fake dungeon so that uh, people and heroes who show up to try to fight uh, him because he recognizes that he is a quote-unquote evil character and will be seen as a monster. Um, so he's he's planning that out, and uh, we kind of get reintroduced to all the other characters there. I mean, we got Alibedo, who is in all of her yonderday form, who is just like, even... I really enjoyed it too because Ayn's kind of is like, you know what? I'll give her a little bit of a, I'll give her a little bit of a treat. And he congratulates her on her attempt to seduce him. And he's like, yes, it was very effective. And she kind of just has like a mini orgasm there. She's just like, <laughs> it's just a little too much for her. It's just like all this attention at once. Uh, 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 and it's, just, it's really, uh, I love it so much. And of course he's, he is definitely into it as well, but um, the way the game plays out, he uh, he kind of gets restricted in his sexual um, feelings. I guess there's kind of like a restriction on that. So just to recap a little bit here, if you don't know, Overlord's about a dude who made a game, um, or was uh, playing a game, sorry, and made a guild with a bunch of other people for non-human characters. Uh, he himself, a uh, very a grand lynch, I believe is what it was, a grand lich. And uh, he is the last character of his guild to hang around while the servers for the game are about to be turned off. Oddly enough, when the servers are turned off and the timer counts down, he's still in the game. He can't log out. He can't escape. And all of a sudden, all the NPCs in his game are now acting like they have intelligences. Mm. And he handles things twofold. One, he puts on a facade. He acts like Eins Ul Gon. He acts like the grand lich that he is and kind of, you know, orders people around and acts as like the big boss. And, you know, he is still caring, though. Like when Shaltir gets uh, mind controlled and he has to kill her, he resurrects her, and he is very um, happy when he is able to resurrect her. And uh, there's a nice scene that plays out between them in that point. But mm. 
he doesn't seem to focus too much on wanting to get out. He would like, like we do hear his inner voice, which is the actual character behind his, um, behind Ein's, uh talk sometimes, where he's kind of like commenting on the different things that are happening within the game as a realistic standpoint. But for the most part, he kind of is focusing on learning more about the game world and understanding how he how how he came to be stuck in it, what happened, mm-hmm. and if there are any other players like him in this world. Because so far, no one else who is playing the game um, he has found. In fact, he's the only one in his entire guild that was even there when the server shut down. So he's the only one who kind of has all this control over this non-human group of characters mm-hmm. um the only thing i thought was odd is that the second season switches at the end of the first episode to following these lizard people and kind of building upon a different group of characters that we don't care about um mm-hmm. these weird lizard people who are seeming to have like this weird fight with this i it i don't think it's a party from Ainz who's going to fight them. But there is an evil presence that shows itself to these lizard people. And the lizard people form a coalition to band together once again because they're all broken up in clans. So they send one of their most strongest to go out and find all the other clans and get them to recruit. Um, It makes for some good comedy. But we're, like, given these backstories behind these characters that we know nothing about, and honestly, I don't care about. I want to see more Ainz. I want to see more Alibeto. I want to see more Shaltir. You know, I want to see these characters that I like and really enjoy, and I want to see Ainz dealing with, you know, learning more about the world and how he handles this group of characters that he is now in charge of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all in all... Second season so far has definitely an odd start to it. Um, Mm. It's pulling away from the characters I want to know more about and want to continue following and building upon and is building upon these characters that I don't care about. And honestly, I don't see why we're following them. It could all make sense later. Like, you know, they'll they'll bring these characters in, then they'll bring the old characters in, then they'll meet, you know, they'll do like a big quest or something, perhaps, you know? That's maybe what I'm thinking, or maybe what actually it is, is that one of the major generals in Ainz's army, uh, by the name of Crocutus, uh, he gets sent out to wage the first war that the Great Tomb of Nazarick, which is the group of non-humans is called, is going to be waging. Maybe, and it could just be that I'm not really, you know, paying attention to how evil Ainz is actually making his group out to be. Maybe he's having Crocutus attack these um, these uh, lizard people. Because in the openings, in the opening credits, or the opening, uh, you know, song, we yep. do see the lizard people fighting Crocutus. And hmm. there is a hint, because the main strong... Um, lizard guy has a weapon known as ice pain and crocutus is kind of like a uh insect like humanoid with a pot with the power of cryo uh cryokinesis which is basically ah. controlling the cold mm-hmm. yeah so it, it in the the sword kind of looks like him too so it kind of makes me think that maybe there's some connection between this this lizard person and between Crocutus, 
But if Crocutus does show up to actually be like the major general who's going to wage war on them, then that will make sense. Um, it won't be, you know, it won't surprise me that much, but at the same time, it would definitely be surprising at this point if that's what's happening. Mm. Yeah. And that would potentially maybe save the show or, you know, make it better? Well, not save the show. I mean, the, so far it's doing really good. Like, Shaltir is drinking her woes away, even though she can't get drunk because she's a vampire. Um, because she realizes now that she attacked Ainz in a mind-controlled state and she feels weak. And she's one of the other characters who has a major boner for Ainz. Um, ah. Alibeto only having the desire for Ainz because during the last part of his when he was able to actually play the actual game, Ainz kind of read Alibeto's character sheet, and he was like, ugh, they made her out to be a bitch. You know what, I'm going to change it. And he changes the last line of her character sheet to basically be madly in love with him. Uh-huh. And so yeah. he kind of every now and then thinks, it's all my fault, this is why she acts this way. It's because uh, I, I messed with her character. Right. <laughs> I see. Yep. Yeah. So I definitely will continue watching it. I loved the first season. It was really good, but I'm not sure I like the the direction they're going with the second season thus far. Okay. It does have the Madhouse production values, though. It does look very good. Yes, it looks amazing. Yeah. It, it The voice acting is pretty good as well. Um, the main voice actor for the for Ainz is actually Satoshi Hino who uh, you may recognize from something like, uh, um, let me see here. Mm -hmm. He was, uh, oh God, he was in Baruto. No, that's <laughs> not something I want to uh -huh. see. Um, damn it. Oh, he was in Rail Wars. He was in Amagi Brilliant Park. He was in Log Horizon as Isaac. Oh, yeah. Um, he was in Amnesia as Toma. Ah. He was in Code Geese, Akito the Exiled as Ryo. Um, okay. Oh, he was in A Cell World as Rust Jigsaw. Oh, wait. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. He. I think he just comes in near the end. Yeah, he doesn't have much of a role, though, Rust Jigsaw. Mm. Yeah, so he's kind of got, like, that deeper voice that actually works. I am pretty sure that's also it, too. Um, is the deeper voice that he does. Um, there is the other character, his actual like human self, who you hear voice every now and then, but Ainz's yep. um, voice is very deep and very commanding, and it's very nice to see a, a main character like this, especially one who looks as unique yeah, as him. Yeah, the, uh, he has a very striking design, and uh, it's one where yes. when someone's like, cosplaying this at a convention, it, like, it really stands out when they have the whole... Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, that's my uh, my first okay. piece of reviews. Okay. So I guess I'll jump in more of into my uh, Moi shows part two. Um, uh, next uh, next up we have uh, Eurocamp Triangle. So just going straight into the synopsis, the show starts with five main girls taking a photograph together while camping, and it's a good enough start. Now. Only two of these girls will be important for this episode, but like Pulp Fiction, it's it's uh, non-linear storytelling, so I can appreciate that. When then we then get the opening, which I found myself liking a decent amount for some reason. But anyways, 
After which the main girl uh, who gets the focus of this episode is called Rin, again coincidentally, same name as the first show, uh, is cycling up to, uh, a beautiful autumn countryside just uh, by Mount Fuji. Um, by She goes by a public restroom, she spots a pink haired girl who later is introduced as Nadeshko Kagam- Kagamihara uh, sleeping there, uh, remarking that she's going to catch a cold but then just decides to go proceed to her campsite by the lake. We see her setting up camp and the show even narrates and explains like a tutorial how to easily start up your own campfire. During the process, Rin walks by a public restroom multiple times still spotting the pink haired girl until she goes there again at night to find that she's uh, no longer at her spot and then gets ambushed by her from behind in a crying panic. Clearly uh, she is lost and offers to share her campsite with the lost pink haired girl until she can call somebody for help. The two get friendly with each other eating curried uh, noodle soup and through conversation we learn that Kagami has cycled up this hill after moving close by in order to get a view of Mount Fuji but it was too cloudy to see and so she collapsed from exhaustion after all the cycling. This brings us to the climax if you want to call it that where she turns up to, she turns to see Mount Fuji is now fully visible illuminated, illuminated by the moon. She remembers her sister's number and gets picked up but does exchange numbers with Rin uh, saying that she wants to camp with her again sometime. End off with the starting school, with them starting school, um, which usually would actually take place at the start of an episode. Uh, there's some foreshadowing of future characters, and Rina and Kagami just miss each other before the show closes off. So, Yuru Camp Triangle is a show I had low expectations for. Looking at Studio C, the company that produced it, I had never heard of them, and they seem to have a thing for male idol shows. So, when I heard they were going to be doing what looked to be another Moe Blob show, uh, a type of show that is so easy to make redundant, I was sceptical to say the least. But, 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 I actually turned out to kind of like this show in the end. Yeah, seriously. Um, a common reason I often hear from fans of these kinds of shows is that they're good relaxing watches, something to turn your brain off to, and while I can relate to craving an anime that is relaxing, I do find it hard to do so with most Moe Blob shows in general, as they are so devoid of fresh content and are so transparent on... Shit, I accidentally zoomed in my script. And then lost my pace. <laughs> Shit. Uh, uh, Uh-oh. Are so transparent on how much they are pandering to the audience. You know, it's like it's like somebody coming up to you and just being like, hey, hey, we know you're actually here for the cute girl. So, you know, just, just you know, like, I c- you can see the strings from the creators just hanging over the characters like puppets. You know, like, come over here and then maybe buy a merchandise, buy some models, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know... That's what's usually quite distracting to me for most Moe Blob shows uh, that are, are supposed to be relaxing. But sure, Eurocamp does have some of these features. I mean, it's a cute character design show, um, uh, doing kind of cute things, whatever they do. But, you know, telling a bare-bones story with Naria male in sight, but it also chooses to take its concept and actually run with it, which is more than I can say for other Moe Blob shows. I, I, like, I like it when a piece of work gives me the impression that the creator had a passion for what the show is about. Like an example of this would be something like Food Wars, you know. Food Wars is attractive because it has that bombastic presentation and, you know, some people might be drawn in for the fan service as well. But I also think that some of the heart of the show at its core comes from when you get the impression that the mangaka behind it also loves food. He, that, like his passion for the subject also shines through along with all those other features. It's it's the same thing, um, 
when it comes to this as well. I really get that sense, but in terms of camping. It's the closest I can say uh, these kinds of shows actually come to being relaxing for me. It has a sort of charm uh, I hear about um, without doing something completely different like the last anime I talked about. It's the closest you can kind of get to it, actually, you know. Being a, more like a Moe Blob show, but actually having a bit of substance to it, you know. I mean... How sad is it that I'm pretty much praising this show for having the characters do what the show is supposed to be about? But the thing is, with Moeblob shows in general, is that, that this is actually quite a rare occurrence. So, yeah, I'm probably going to keep up with Eurocamp for when I want an actual relaxing anime to watch and to learn a thing or two about camping, I suppose, occasionally, because, I don't know, the show seems quite enthusiastic about it and it was a nice slow watch. So, yeah, that's my second one. Okay. And for my next one here is actually another isekai mm. kind of uh, anime, which is uh, Desmarch Kara Hajimaru Isekai Kyoso Kyoku. Or the English is Death March to the Parallel World Rhapsody. Mm. So in this one, we see... Now, let me just say this first, though. I've read the manga, and there are some differences that I want to point out about the first episode when I'm going okay. into it. But as we start out, we have Ichiro, who is a 29-year-old programmer who just started working, well, has been working at this company at this uh, two new games that they've been making. One of them's kind of been out for a while, um, but they've kept doing updates for, and the other one is a brand new game that is just coming out. He's a programmer, and they kind of drill home in the first season, or the first episode, that the programming life is hard. Um, they make him out to be a nice guy. He, at one point, stops to help a little girl who's lost. Um, and they also point out very quickly he is not a lollicon, <laughs> yeah. but he has a thing for older mm. women. Um, because after the mother shows up and takes her daughter away, you know, not thinking at all, you know, he's this weird, creepy pervert, he's like, that mom was really hot. <laughs> uh and so that's the, you know, it makes him to be very human and at the same time makes him likable. He is a very hardworking character and at this company he seems to be one of the hardest working of the bunch. He goes into what he calls the Death March, which is the just before the game is going to be released, all the different things they have to do, all the bug fixes, all the little minor tweaks, and he ends up going to sleep at the company. Hmm. He wakes up, and he is in a dream. He looks at his phone, which he pulls out of his pocket. He's on this weird cliffside, and he sees a reflection of himself. The phone's off. He can't get it to work. But he sees that he is a younger version of himself. He is now 15 years old, and he's like, Ugh, I remember that face. Yeesh. And so he starts exploring the world. He looks around a bit, and he's like, Yeah, this is definitely a dream. I got the HUD of my game and my actual dream. This is insane. I cannot believe I'm dreaming about this dumb game. How hard have I been working? And he suddenly sees on the map that like, oh, there's a lot of enemies coming my way. I wonder if they notice me. Oh yeah, they're shooting arrows at me. Ow, that hurts. Wait a second. Why did that hurt? Is this really a dream? And so in a fit of panic, he activates the, uh, what what should be the limited time use ability to call down meteorites from the sky and completely obliterates the lizard army which had shown up to fire arrows at him for some weird reason 
And he ends up leveling up like fuck. He goes from level 1, with almost no HP, no health, no skills, nothing, and he goes to level 310 Mm. in an instant. He maxes out all of his stats, so basically, if we're talking Fire Emblem Heroes, it's like all all his stats are 999 plus 99 as a bonus. And he's 310 as a level, he, he... He's got all these different titles and skills that are now associated with him. And uh, he uh, has a bunch of loot. He's very rich as well because the uh, all the lizard people he ended up killing had a lot of money on them, apparently. Um, and uh, he uh, goes out from there and he's like, you know what? I don't know how long this dream is going to last because apparently getting hurt and thinking, hey, is this a dream? didn't break him from the illusion that, yeah, this is a dream. Because he still thinks it's a dream. Mm. Even though we as, you know, watchers and are like, it's not a dream, brah. You're in the game. Mm-hmm. Well, he continues on, uh, equipping some of the hard-earned loot that he's gotten. Uh, also giving us some, uh, you know, some explanation as to how the HUD works on his display. And, uh, you know, learning more a bit about his character, who he named... Uh, uh, Satu, which he apparently said that he names all of his beginning characters, but uh, he was uh, he was annoyed that he kept the name in the dream. Yeah, and he continues exploring. He is now super powered, so he's kind of like Hulk jumping everywhere, just like bouncing around on cliff sides, and he ends up uh, seeing a wyvern, which tries to attack him, and he picks up a rock and busts through one of its wings, which it then accidentally goes and attacks some humans who are nearby. And he, in a, you know, a mad dash, saves a woman who's falling out of the sky because she got launched into the, uh, launched into the air by the wyvern as she tried to can't, or cast off this chanting spell of the, I guess, a wind attack. And uh, she's falling, and he catches her, and he gets the hero... The title, uh, the title hero savior, ah, which uh, this game has a thing of, or this anime has a thing of doing, where you'll see like these minor blips appearing next to his character, and it'll be like title acquired, hero, title acquired, sweet talker, title acquired, you know, suave, title acquired, trickster, yeah. title acquired, liar, all these different <laughs> titles that he'll keep getting, and they come with skills that he can put points into. Being level three hundred and ten, he has a lot of goddamn skill points to mm-hmm. use. So he was just like, well, I'll just max out all the skills I got right now. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's the first episode. Uh, Second episode, it continues on that way where we learn a bit more about the girl he saves. Um, He earns a bit more titles and he reaches the first town. Uh, Of course, that's like reaching the first town of a RPG at max level. (laughs) So uh, it's a... a bit overpowered, and he is kind of very much enjoying the fact that he is so powerful. Um, and we're and this is before we even meet the main lion share of all of our main characters, which I do have to say, I've seen the second episode. I do like the character design they went with for Lisa, uh-huh. who is a uh, lizard lizardkin demi human slave who they he meets in the first episode, alongside Tama and Pochi. Who, if you couldn't tell, Pochi is a child dog human demi human slave, and Tama is a child demi human cat who is also a slave. Ah, 
these are the ones he buys and then and he of course like he, he kind of ends up buying them um later on spoilers for those of you not reading the manga he enters a dungeon and pochitama and lisa are all there he befriends them gives them clothes is very nice to them teaches how to defend themselves and is able to actually take them away from their current master who is abusive and they follow him around, even though he tries to, like, at one point, be like, all right, I'm not going to be your master anymore. Go free. They're like, no, 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 wait. This is all we know. Please don't leave us. Please, please. And he's like, oh, fine, you can come with me. And so he gets these slave girls who he treats more and more kind of just like, I would say. Friends? Like the friend the little sister of your friend ah right, right so not in a sense that like completely little sister-esque where he kind of friend zones them but more like you know you have to be tiptoeing around them because they're still girls but at the same time they do treat him like master right lisa on the other hand is a bit older um i'd say she's probably somewhere in her 20s uh if not a bit younger than that but um I've always been interested to see maybe a relationship a form, a form between Lisa and uh, Ichiro, yeah. just because it's it feels like it would be kind of natural where she's a bit older uh, than his current character, though he has a thing for even older women still. Because um, at one point he makes it very clear that when he saves the girl who's falling from the sky, he sees her face. He's like, you know, in high school, I probably will fall dead, you know, head over heels in love with her. Yeah. You know, he says this in the head, but. You know, when he gets to the inn at the first town, he's like, wow, the innkeeper's is really hot. Like, you know, if she was like maybe 20 kilos a little lighter, she'd be right in my strike zone. <laughs> I see. Uh. So the thing I do want to say, though, is that they exposited too much oh. with his outside of the game character. In the manga, we get maybe three or four panels of him working on the game. We see that he's a hard worker. We don't really see his face. We see that he's in like the last throes of making this game and he takes a nap. He's like, all right, well, the bugs are all fixed. I'm just going to take a nap. And he wakes up in the game. Yeah. And he pays a lot more attention to those titles he gets as well. He killed a lot of things when he did those meteorite attacks. And he ends up looking at all the titles he earns, reading through them. And he's like, God killer, dragon God wow. killer. What the hell did I do? Mm -hmm. He doesn't mention this at all in the anime. Uh -huh. He doesn't talk about the titles he got. He kind of just like skims through it, which maybe we're supposed to be able to read it, but it's all in Japanese. Yeah. So for us, you know, who can't read Japanese, you know, like night and day, it really didn't mean anything to me. Like he didn't comment on it all. Um, he does, however, mention the fact that he earned a holy sword and a demon sword from uh, his attacking the lizard people and possibly killing something else. Because after he had done his major three attacks with the meteorites, he decides to go and test it out once more. And it blows something up in the distance that earns him more titles. Mm. Okay. Of course, yeah, of course, at that point, though, he does turn off the skill. He's like, that's overpowered. I'm going to just turn that ah, off. Less fun that way, huh? Yeah, well, I mean, he's already overpowered as it stands, so nothing can really kill him or even really hurt him at this point. But he is only one person, and that's kind of what the manga drills home, is that he can protect a good group of people, but he's still just one yeah. guy. 
he can't be everywhere at yeah, once. Yeah, there are limits. Yeah, he can't take out all the mobs at once. Um, oh, one thing that I, I wanted to what see if it stuck out to you as much, because I did watch the first episode at least. Um, do you feel like at some points, especially when they were doing like him cliff jumping, that they were tr- they they were trying to do like these really complex like action shots that you know really sweeping scenic shots that I just don't think they were I don't know they maybe didn't have enough budget or enough manpower behind it to really pull off like I feel like with sort of some of those really big action bits where he jumped over cliffs like like you said like the Hulk like it stood out to me as like they didn't have like that madhouse budget or that X factor to really pull off a a scene like that what what do you think. Did that stick out to you at all? Or? Oh, you mean like how the backgrounds weren't really like yeah gorgeously gorgeous and stuff? You know the way it's like, it's like a 3D camera sweeping and he's doing that jump and stuff. Like, did you feel like I, I kind of got that vibe when I was watching that these shots are really complex and they're really trying to go for it, but they just don't have either like the amount of people or budget to pull this off basically for this shot. I did notice that this anime isn't nearly as quality as the manga is like mm. the manga is very highly detailed yeah. um a little too much so at okay. some points but um for any you know animes you know that's going to come out like this which i did i did kind of see this becoming an anime which i definitely see remonster which is another one i'm watching right now or reading right now becoming an anime at some point um death march on the other hand like, uh, I just see, we've, I mean, I finished that, uh, what was that other anime I finished recently, which was about authors, um, um Emoto Saerabe Lee. Uh-huh. And in that one, they kind of talk about how, you know, it talks about, like, authors who are making their manga and their their visual novels uh, and their light novels and how they kind of go to that anime transition. And it's like, is it, is it that good? You know, is it that good of a deal to do that? Because they do point out like the negatives to it where quality goes down and you suffer like people tweeting just like the harshest criticism, Uh even though you've worked night and day on this becoming so good. And you're kind of just like, what is with this anime adaptation of something that I put my heart and soul into? Why does it suck? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I definitely, I will say, okay to those lesser quality shots. Um, and I'm more interested at this point in seeing how they handle the story because they have done some things differently that I'm, I definitely see like a, uh, someone who gave him the money to, you know, make the anime kind of thing where it's like, well, we don't really care about the outside character that much. Like it's not focusing on his wanting to get out of the game. That should be like the major focus, right? Um, no, it shouldn't. (laughs) He doesn't care about really getting out of the game. He kind of just wants to explore the world, which is what we want to do. And we want to learn more about this world, these characters, you know, these, like his whole path to maybe getting out of the world. Yeah. But, in the end, it may take a change, and that's the only thing I'm worried mm. about. But uh, it's two episodes in, and thus far it's stayed mostly true to the mm. manga. So it's promising enough, a decent enough start. Yes, I will say, though, that if you are, if you see the manga, or if you see the anime, 
and you're like, yeah, this is all right. Uh, I just wish the quality was better. Go read the manga. Yeah. You know, you won't have the voice acting and the moving pictures and whatnot, but the manga is more detailed. And on a side note, it does um, more faithfully capture the process of making a game much more accurately than new game. So there's that too. Just want to throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's my my last preview for this week. Okay. So I guess I'll close things off with our finale to the three-part Roy Blob show, whatever the fuck this is. Um, and uh, the last one will be Slow Start. Uh, true to its name, it starts slowly. It stars a main girl called Hannah, who's 17, and is late at starting high school because of this. This is her first year at high school, even though she is 17. This episode covers her first day, trying out her uniform with her cousin landlady that the show needs to reinforce to you has big boobs. Getting a good luck uh, text from her parents before starting, uh, meeting and becoming friends with her zany cast of totally original classmates, forming a main group of four, by the way, being embarrassed because it's revealed that it's her birthday during class introductions, which will be useful for the otaku who will be taking photos of pictures of her and celebrating her birthday when that date actually does come around. And we're looking forward to seeing that on Twitter. Um... Walking home with her new friends because the Sakura Blossoms by the train station are so pretty. Um, There's also dialogue joking about names. The lolly always talks about being hungry. She gets home and is happy that she made friends on her first day. And uh, celebrating with her birthday with her cousin slash landlady again. And that's all I really care to remember really. I I watched it for a second time just yesterday and I still that's all I got from it. So, um, if Eurocamp encompasses what I think the appeal of a Moe Blob show can really have, uh, Slow Start represents the polar opposite in my opinion, and pr- represents the stagnant, unoriginal, fan pandery nature of this genre. I mean, it does start rather slowly, true to its name, but nothing about Hannah's late start into high school really matters in this episode, and thus, it is just a cute girl's do- doing cute things show without any hook to it. Nothing to distract from the fact that, despite the tags, it has never intentionally made me laugh, like the comedy tag suggests, and the slice of life part is the most, it's the slice of life in the most boring sense of the word. Uh, seriously though, all the features I find unappealing about these sorts of shows are present here, and further reference can be found in my sarcastic preview of, um, Cute girls go to Antarctica. The pointless fan service, the bland one-note characters, the jokes that are lines without the punch, the fact that it must reveal all four main girls to you right now so you can pick the best girl straight away because that's what's important. Also, I found it's particularly obnoxious that one of the girls is just Kobayashi Kana from Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, a show that has a lot of moi that I actually liked, by the way, right down to getting the exact same voice actor. She has the same-ish personality without the charming animation, charming story, and charming cast to play off of, but I guess A1 thought those weren't needed and this wouldn't be of an extra distraction to anyone who's actually watched that show. Um, lastly, before I close up, this show has the most in- has the inconsistent animation I've come to associate with Toei Animation and now also A1 Pictures. It's where you dump clearly all your budget slash effort into particular moments of your show, leaving the rest of it to feel dull by comparison, but it's very useful for the people who are going to make GIFs of the show or AMVs, though in Toei's case, especially with One Piece, um, it goes a lot further where you can go several episodes without anything looking like it's really moving. But anyway, you get two of these in this show. When I started to watch the opening exchange between Hannah and her 
well, cousin slash landlord, I thought to myself, damn, they sure put a lot of frames into getting smooth, fluent movement of the slightest turn of the head in every gesture. If they do this for the whole episode, it could actually be at least something to appreciate for the animation alone. But no, of course not. Life isn't fair. And this is A1 Studio, uh, the same studio behind the majesty that is Aeromaga Sensei, where they pulled that same shit. <laughs> they pulled the exact same shit here as they did in that. It's been pointed out by some online that they actually hired one specific animator to handle Sugiri's movement in that show. The animation on her, to the credit of that animator, no one else, usually looks actually quite decent compared to the rest of the frames without her, which tends to look ass. It's wasted on pointless shit anyway, such as the camera focusing on her legs 90% of the time. But the, but the point is, before I get stuck on that show again, is that the similar technique is what they're pulling here. Instead of making the whole anime look good, um, Slow Start has the most decent animation before the opening, before it becomes the pretty standard same old, same old Moe Blob shit. The other part of this good animation is the part provided that actually gave me the unintentional laugh, because... They have this mature girl of the group, the one that the most developed character of the group in terms of body. One of them will be a lolly, one's overdeveloped. Um, she bursts into like a fit of laughter during one of the scenes. And I just had to laugh because the animation on her was actually quite good. But everybody else in the scene was static. So it just looked really weird. It was like somebody like laughing realistically amongst a bunch of cardboard cutouts. It, it was, yeah, it was weird. So that was the only part I laughed and it was definitely unintentional from, from them anyway. So needless to say, I'm not watching on. I don't, I don't really need to say that, really. Um, so there you have it. There's free Moe Blob slash cute girls doing cute things shows compared because no one asked. The last contrast I have before closing off would be the complete payoff of each episode one that sums this all up. So a place further than the universe's conclusion led to the main girl, Rin, to overcome her fears of never committing to anything and venturing out to live a fulfilling life. Eurocamp highlighted the positive aspects of camping, the clincher being able to enjoy the wonders of nature such as Mount Fuji by moonlight, and slow starts was that the girl Hannah made friends with who actually happened to remember her name after one day. The straps she received from them also turned out to be free handouts from the station. There you go. So, I guess there's that. Kind of what makes that anime feel like a free strap that you got from the station you gave to your friend. Yeah, yeah. Just, it might as well be. Uh, <laughs> was, and there's dime a dozen of them out there. Exactly the same. Mass produced in a factory. This time called A1. Thank you. <laughs> Alright. Well, that uh, does it for our first preview show of the uh, winter 2018 season. Woo! I'm sure we'll have at least one more uh, from me. Yep. Um, let's see here. We got uh, one, two. I know I've at least got two more anime that I can definitely talk about. Let me see here. Uh, pull up that uh, good old list of stuff I'm reading right now. Uh, so yeah. See, thing is, I feel like I have a good few more previews in me, but I do want to join you for the review that you do straight afterwards. So I'm thinking, is it okay? Ah. Yeah, so you may you may do like the the joint review and then like a hybrid show. Yeah, after yeah, that. exactly. Because it's like if you run out, yeah, and that's do fine. Review, I know it's gonna be, you know, I think I know what show it's gonna be, and I want to join you for that one. And then I want to go back to preview possibly because I've got so many to choose from at the moment. Yeah, that's cool. I got uh, 
I definitely have at least one more in me because I got two more, uh, two more I can talk yep. about. And then after that, we can do our joint review on I think it's Clockwork, Clockwork Planet. Clock- yeah. Clockwork yes. Planet. Yes. Uh-huh. What if the world was a clock? <laughs> and uh, and then uh, after that, we can do some hybrid shows. Sounds good. Sounds like fun. All right. Well, I think that does it for another episode, and as always, keep watching, keep listening, and keep the anime love strong.